Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, we continue, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And this powerful book, of course, presents Jesus as the perfect man. He is the Son of God who, is, who came to be the Savior of the world. It's incredible. He is the sacrifice and the substitute for the sins of mankind. Now, as we continue, we're still in the early days of the ministry of Christ. It won't be long. We'll be starting to say, well, we're in the middle way through now. But he's in the northern part of Israel. He's near Capernaum. He's around the Sea of Galilee. He's on a long, slow hill, and he is teaching uh, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And we said that if you wanted to get a lot of details, just go to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. That's the famous part in the Bible where they say Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7. Well, here's the Sermon on the Mount as well in Luke, but it just starts at about verse 20 and goes through verse 49. He doesn't give us all the details. gives us some selected areas. We've been seeing in these last few weeks looking at this some hard teaching. Hard in two ways. Number one, sometimes it's hard because it's just hard to understand. We go, what exactly does that say? And then many times it's hard because it's just hard to do what he says. The whole idea of forgiving and not judging and all these kind of things and, and, and praying for those who are your enemies and loving them. All of that things we've seen, they're really hard. This morning we're going to deal in the final section. We're going to start with verse 39 and go through verse 49. That's the final section. We're going to see several areas. First of all, I call this watch yourself. Because he's going to talk about who's your teacher, who are you following, and and deal with your own sin before you deal with somebody else's sin. That's one area. Then we're going to see good fruit and bad fruit. This is a very misunderstood part. This deals with the message, not the lifestyle. And we're going to talk about it because people have always said things like, okay, you can tell them by their fruit, and that means you look at their life and see how they're living. We're going to see that that's not what it's talking about. The third thing is the foundation, we'll see. And that foundation is the rock. This Jesus, so we'll see that really it's the Word of God. He says, here's what I teach and acts upon it. We'll see what that is. There's so much in this final area. We want to gain from our study of God's Word. That's the plan, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. I pray that we'll make application. And as we do that, our lives will be changed. Well, have you ever heard somebody say, and I just mentioned it, that you'll know them by their fruit? A lot of times they say fruit. In Matthew, it's actually fruits. It says you'll know them by their fruits. What does this imply? Well, it implies that it tells us that that we can look at somebody and we can see the way they live and we can tell if they're a believer by the way they live. I mean, look at that person. Do you see fruit in their life? That's what people say. Look and see if you see fruit in their life. And if you do, you can say there's a Christian. Well, you know, that sort of sounds real good. problem is it's wrong. It's not what the Bible teaches. In the Gospel of Matthew, now listen carefully, Matthew chapter 7, there's a passage where Jesus makes the statement and he says, you will know them by their fruits. If you look at the context of the passage, he is dealing with false prophets. That's what he's dealing with. So go back to Matthew 7 sometime, find the place, look at it. There's a great truth here and I want you to understand, when he talks about fruit or fruits... He is not dealing with lifestyle. He's not saying you can tell the false prophets by their lifestyle. He's not saying that. In fact, he says that they come as wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like believers, not their lifestyle. They look like sheep. They acted good. In fact, they did good things. The fruit is, when he talks about it, and we'll see it even in our passage, that it's their message. What do they say? That's how you'll know them. They were false 
prophets. The fruit is their message. This morning as we look at Luke chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, he deals with bad fruit, good fruit. In fact, he says there's no good tree which produces bad fruit. On the other hand, no bad tree which produces good fruit. Tree is, uh, tree is known by its fruit. He talks about all this. We're going to find that he's not dealing with lifestyle once again. He's dealing with a message. And listen to this. He says, for the mouth speaks from that which feels the heart. We're going to talk about what does all this mean? How does it fit together? Fruit is the lifestyle. I, want, I hope if you, if you have thought up to this point in time that when the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits, that you can look at the lifestyle of a person and try to determine they're a Christian, I hope from this day forward you won't try to do that anymore. I hope from this day forward you'll realize what it's saying and we'll see it. Well, let's begin. Jesus has just chosen the 12 apostles. He has come down to a level place on this long sloping hill. A large crowd is gathered. In fact, it said there was this great throng of people from Judea, Jerusalem, the coast of Tyre and Sidon. There are Jews and Gentiles there. There are all kind of people there. And and uh, he is teaching and healing. It's been powerful. He started and, and it said that the healing people were coming and unclean spirits were being cured and uh, people who had unclean spirits were being cured and people were trying to touch him because power was coming from him. It's an incredible, incredible thing. And then uh, he, he begins this teaching ministry. And he's teaching a, a number of areas in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me give you the outline that we've been looking at, verses 20 through 26. We've already seen that, of course, blessing and woes, blessings to the believers, woes to the unbelievers, 27 through 36, dealing with our enemies, those who are against us. And he said some incredibly hard things. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Curse those who curse you. Pray for them. Bless, I mean, bless those who curse. Say good things about them. Those who say bad things about you, pray for those who mistreat you. It's pretty hard things, and and um, uh, it was just incredible. Then he talked about judging and giving, and and this was incredible as well. Those two went together, 37 and 38, go together because he's dealing with the principle of sowing and reaping. And here's what he says. He says, don't judge, and you'll not be judged. Don't condemn, you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. And so we saw that principle last time. I think, uh, oh, let me go ahead and finish this part, and we'll come back to it. Uh, verses 39 through 45, examining others. We're going to see that. And then the very, that's what we're going to talk about today when he talks about the blind man, the teacher, the, the speck in your brother's eye, and the log in your eye. And then the last part's building on the Word uh, of God. And we'll see those kind of things. We said, I think the next slide talks about... Uh, the, yeah, sowing and reaping. That's the principle in verses 37 and 38. And it's pretty powerful. And last time, even though we've, we've had a little break, there was that great principle, that sowing and reaping, and it talking about judging, condemning, forgiving, and even giving. And if you remember last time, I did a message, and we looked really at verse 38, and we spent the whole time on verse 38, and he talked about, biblical, talked about giving. And I spent a little time on biblical giving, because in our church, when we come across the passages that deal with it, we talk about it. And, and bottom line, he said, says, give and God will bless you. There's no doubt about it. As you give, in 2 Corinthians, he says, he who sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Who sows bountifully, reaps bountifully. We give out of what God has given us. We give as an act of love and worship and trust. We have to trust God. If we give away, got to trust him and he's going to take care of us. Give of the first fruits. When you get money, whatever you get, give of the first. Don't wait to the end. And, and so we saw all of that. Now from this, he moves to this final area. And I said three big things. Watch yourself. The fruit, the good and the bad, and the rock, which is the foundation. Well, let's start with the first area, and that's watch yourself. And as we watch yourself, he's going to talk about two areas, and I'm, I'm calling it watch yourself, but here's what he says. He says, who is your teacher? Who are you following? 
And he talks about a teacher and he even says this. He says, a pupil is not above his teacher. Everyone after they've been fully trained, you're going to be like your teacher. So he's saying, who is your teacher? Who are you following? And then the second part is kind of a funny little story. Even though we look at it, maybe not think it's funny, I guarantee you when Jesus told this parable or this story, people laughed because he's talking about dealing with sin. Well, let's start with who's your teacher. That's, that's the first part here. Notice what he says. He spoke this parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he's been fully trained will be like his teacher. Put it this way. He's saying, who are you following? At that time, you could see a great contrast between Jesus and the religious leaders. When Jesus, Jesus taught, he taught the Bible. Religious leaders taught traditions. They taught laws and rules. Jesus spoke with authority. He was the living word. The religious leaders did not have any authority. They talked the traditions of men. It's the truth today. Be careful who you are following. Be careful who you are listening to. We want to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We all are learning from different people, and, and it may be who you're listening to, what books are you reading. Uh, who, watch out. Notice what he says, verse 39. He spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into the pit? Here's what he's saying. The blind can't guide somebody else because they don't know where they're going. One who doesn't know the way can't help others know the way. And the bottom line is, if a person doesn't know the Scripture and they're teaching you, you're not going to know the Scripture. One who doesn't know the truths of the Word of God cannot lead others to know the truths of God's Word. And this is why he puts it together, because he talks about the blind leading the blind, and then the pupil is not above his teacher. He's warning them about who you follow, who you look to, who you, who you try to learn from. Be careful. There are many people teaching things that are not the Word of God. There are several things to think about. First of all, just think about the gospel message. I mean, the message clearly from the Bible is that you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not a worthless anyone should boast. Over 98 times in the Gospel of John, you believe and you're saved. It's by grace you're saved through faith in Ephesians. There's 150 times, at least 150 times in the New Testament that you're saved simply by faith, that salvation is a gift. It is that simple. And yet there are many teachers. In fact, let me say it in another way. Most teachers do not give a clear grace message of salvation. They'll say that you have to do this, or it is grace, but you must be willing to do this. There is no assurance of salvation. Be very careful. So be careful who you listen to and be very discerning. That when a person says, well, Jesus said to do the following things. I read a book the other day, <clears throat> and at the very back it said, here's how to be saved. And it listed the first thing, recognize your sinner. Number two, you must list every sin that you have done. That was number two. You remember any of, you remember what you did today, right? More or less every sin you've ever done. And there are people sitting there going, how am I going to remember this? I guess I could never be saved. So be careful who you're following. There's a second area, and that's the Christian life. We know that the Christian life is a walk of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God. But not all people teach that. In fact, some people teach that it's laws and rules and legalism. You have to be very careful. There's a teacher that is famous in our United States, and he teaches that we're under the Mosaic Law, and the Christian life is lived as we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, obeying the Mosaic Law. That's what he teaches. And a lot of people follow that. Be careful who you are following. Now, here's a statement. If they don't know, they can't help you grow. Just remember that. If they don't know the Word, 
They don't understand grace. They don't understand the salvation message. They don't understand the Christian life. They cannot help you grow. He's warning them. He's saying, listen, a blind man can't guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into the pit? They'll help you not know as well. That's what they'll do. They'll help you not know. They'll help you be confused. Jesus said a blind man can't lead a blind man. Watch. Don't follow somebody that doesn't know. There's a second aspect that he adds to this. And and he says the pupil is not above. I don't know if I have a slide for this one or not. Yeah, no, we don't. He says uh, a pupil is not above his teacher. But everyone after he's been fully trained will be like his teacher. Now here's the key. He says here's why you watch who's teaching you. Because you're going to end up like them. You're going to believe the same things they believe. I had a friend that that was that was my friend for 20 years. He uh, he was in my wedding, and he believed that salvation was by grace through faith. That you believed in Jesus Christ and you're saved and you're saved forever. And the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you can know that you're saved and you have the assurance of your salvation. And then about eight years ago. He moved from the town that he was living in to another town, and he started going to a church that doesn't teach that. And now he doesn't believe that anymore. He told me, I don't believe that. I, I, I believe that you've got you've to keep on keeping on. You've got to live a good life. And then maybe to the end, maybe you can know if you're a Christian or not. What happened to him? He got under teachers that believe something different from what we see in the Scripture. And notice what it says. The pupil's not above his teacher, but everyone after he's been fully trained will be like his teacher. You'll be like the one who teaches you. It is important. Listen, it is important that when people study and teach, they look at the Bible from a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation. That means you look at it historically in its context. Literally, what do the words say grammatically? How do they fit? That's a way of interpretation. I want to be honest with you. Most people don't interpret the Bible that way. And so when we look at a passage and it says, Jesus will rule, he says, he will rule for a thousand years. We take that to mean a thousand years. Most people in the United States say that doesn't mean that. It's, it's not literal. It just meant he, he's the king. So be careful who you listen to because you're going to end up like who is teaching you. Understand salvation is by grace. The Christian life is a walk of faith. Put together the scripture and make a difference between Israel and the church and understand in times how it all fits together. You will be like your teachers. I want you to understand in my life that after I trusted Christ as my Savior, that God brought two men into my life. One is named Nat Clark, which some of you know because he came to do our men's retreat several years ago. And the other is Ken Shepherd. He also came to do our men's retreat. Those two men helped me at the very beginning of my growth as a Christian to understand the grace message of salvation. Those men. And then I went to Dallas Seminary, and there was a professor there by the name of Prof. Howard Hendricks who taught me how to get into the Scripture and how to study this observation, interpretation, application, how to take a passage historically, literally, grammatically, how to put that thing together. And while I was there, a guy named Bill Lawrence taught a lot of good truths about being a pastor. And then a man named Zane Hodges taught me Greek. And I love Greek. I love it. I, I teach it here sometimes if we can find time to do it. But I love it. I love digging in there and seeing that language. But he also taught me grace. He's more famous for grace than Greek. Who's teaching you? Whose tapes are you listening to? 
Whose iPod things are you putting, you know, downloading and listening to? What books are you reading? I had a person I was speaking the other night at a place, and a person came up to me afterwards and said, Hey, JB, that was the good stuff. I said, Yeah, that's good stuff. The Bible's real good. He said, Listen, I've been reading this person. Who else do you recommend that I read? And I was very honest with him. I said, First of all, I don't recommend that you read the person that you're reading. Because the person doesn't, have, doesn't understand the grace message of salvation and doesn't understand that salvation is by faith. So be careful. They can't teach you if they don't know because you'll end up like your teacher. So the first aspect is who you following because be careful. They can't teach you what they don't know and you're going to be like your teacher. There's a second aspect of watching yourself and that's deal with sin in yourself before you deal with sin in others. Now the truth is, it is very easy to see sin in our to see sin in everybody else's lives before we see sin in our own. We see their failures, their sins, their problems. We see how they mess up, and we go, "Look at that! Can you believe that?" Jesus teaches you have to deal with your own sin first before you deal with others. And, and when Jesus is teaching, I, I guarantee you, it was funny. Let me read this to you. Look what he says. Verse 41. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck that's in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. Take First take out the log from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, he said this, and I guarantee you people went, <laughs> what he's saying? He's saying, somebody got a little bitty splinter in their eye, and then there's somebody's got this pole sticking out of their eye. That's what he said. He uses that great contrast. He says, before you can go get that speck out of your brother's eye, some little bitty thing, you get the big thing, the log, the beam out of your own eye. Notice verse 41. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? And he says the speck, the word for speck is the word karphos, which means a little fleck of wood, a little, like a little splinter, like you get something in your eye and it feels big when it's in your eye because you go, oh, I can't even see anything. And then you get it out and it's a little bitty. You go, golly. And he's saying, what about that little bitty thing? Why are you going after that little bitty thing? But you don't notice and my Bible says the log that's in your own eye. It's the word dakos, which was a pole. It was the main beam in a house. When they built the house, they had the main beam going across the top. This is a pole. He said, you got a pole sticking out of your eye, and you're going over there to saying, let me help you get that little bitty splinter out of your eye. And I guarantee you, when Jesus started telling that, people were going, that's fine, look, you got a big pole sticking out of his eye. That's what, that's what they thought. He says, why do you go after the little speck when you've got this pole sticking out of your own eye? How can we deal with the little bitty faults in other people and not deal with the big faults in our own lives? What does Jesus say? Notice verse 42. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck, that little bitty thing that's in your eye, when you do not, when you yourself do not see the log that's in your eye. How can you say, let me help you with your area? And he's not saying don't help people. There are times when people have sin in their lives with these little bitty or big logs. There are times that we go help each other through these kind of things. But he's saying before you go and go and say, let me help you with your little splinter, you be sure and get the big log out of your own eye. Notice what he says. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that's in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? He calls him, he says, you hypocrite. 
Now, a lot of times people, when they see the word hypocrite, they think, oh, I'm not a believer. No, he, he's talking to a believer who's a hypocrite. Hypocrite means to play a part. It means to pretend to be something that you're not. The word literally in the Greek means to be under a mask. Hippokratos. Hippo. Hippo means under. It means under a mask. It was a person that was an actor, and he would put a mask up, and he'd be happy, and so he'd pretend to be happy. He'd put a mask up, and he'd be sad. He'd pretend to be sad. A hypocrite is somebody who pretends to be something they're not. He's saying you're a hypocrite. You, you're ignoring your sin and going after somebody else's. That's what he says. So what does he say to do? You hypocrite, first, take the log out of your own eye. Deal with your own stuff. And that's a big thing. And then you'll be, see it, be, will see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. We can't help other people until we deal with our own sin. That's part of it. Deal with our own sin. Then we'll be able to help others. So the first aspect is what I call watch yourself. He says, first of all, watch yourself with your teachers. Who are you following? Because remember, if they don't know, they can't help you grow. They're going to fall right into the ditch and you're falling right with them. And then he says, second is, and you're going to be like them when it's all over. You're going to be just like them. That's why it's really careful on what you put in your mind when you study. When you say, oh, I'm going to go read this guy's book. I'm going to go read this guy's book. Well, be real careful what you're putting in your mind. Because if you're learning from them and you're gaining from them and you're accepting what they're saying, you're going to be like them. Second thing is deal with our own sin. Now, from this, he moves to the issue of fruit, both good and bad. Now, I want you you got to see this because this is so misunderstood. <clears throat> Let me help you put this together. Fruit in this passage, and if you also go to the Gospel of Matthew, fruit is not dealing with lifestyle. I'll show you how in just a minute. It's dealing with what comes out of your mouth. It's dealing with a message. Here's a question. How can you tell if a person is a believer? How can you tell? Some people say, how can you tell? You look at their lifestyle. You see if there's any fruit. You look at it and see if they live like a Christian. If they live like a Christian, they're a Christian. If they don't live like a Christian, they're not a Christian. And many people go back to Matthew 7 where it says, and you'll know them by their fruits. He's talking to false prophets, talking about false prophets. Sometimes they go to Luke chapter 6 and say, good fruit, bad fruit. I want you to understand that these passages, not only Matthew 7, but Luke chapter 6, what we're looking at today, fruit is what comes out of their mouth, not their lifestyle. Notice what he says, verse 43. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. He's making a true statement. Good trees don't produce bad fruit. Bad trees don't produce good fruit. That's the way it is. Good with good, bad with bad. He explains, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. I mean, he says, trees known by its fruit. You can go and you say, oh, that's a fig tree, because why? It's got figs. And that's berries, that's, uh, you know, that, that's uh, grapes. Why? Because there's grapes there. But if you saw that there were thorns, you wouldn't say, that's a fig tree. Yeah, see the thorns? No. And, he's, and, and we would say, oh, is he talking about look at their lifestyle? No. We're going to see it in just a second. He's talking about their message. And this is the way. Let me give you an illustration. And I want you to, you're going to use me as an example here. Can we look at a person and tell by their lifestyle whether they're a Christian or not? The answer is no. Let's say that you saw me, and I'm living a good life, 
and I help people, and I do things, and I say I'm doing good things, and, and you see me, and I've given money, and I go to church, and I got baptized when I was 12, and all of these things. And you could look at me and say, I, th- I think, I think he, he looks just like a believer. I see fruit in his life. Or what if you looked at me? And I was angry all the time, and I'm fussing, and and uh, you know I'm stealing things, and I don't go to church, and I say I don't even, I don't, I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. I used to go to church when I I don't like want to believe, you know who who knows. You could look at that and go, I just I don't I don't think he's a believer. Look how he lives. Well, let me tell you something. Let's say I'm living good. I could be an unbeliever living good because there are a lot of unbelievers who live good lives. And what if I was living bad? I could be a believer living bad. I could be living in the flesh. And we're capable of any sin. We know that. So how are you going to know? You know how you're going to know? It's what comes out of my mouth. And you come up to me and you say, JB, yeah, let me ask you a question. If you were to die, are you going to go to heaven? Are you going to be with Jesus Christ? Are you a Christian? I mean, have you, are you going to, and I'd say, well, yes, I am. How, how come, J.B.? Well, because, see, I got baptized when I was 12, and I've gone to church most of my life, and I even got a pen for Sunday school when I was younger, and uh, I've done a lot of things, and I try, I try to pray, and I try to talk to God a lot. Am I a Christian? Am I a Christian with that answer? The answer is no, but I look good. You can't tell. You can tell what comes out of my mouth, because what comes out of my mouth, you realize, J.B.'s not trusting Christ. He said when he was 12, he got baptized, and he goes to church, and he tries to live a good life, and, and he prays. And I, I said, okay. But what if you came to me, and I was living a scum life, which don't look too closely, because I might be. <laughs> and you came to me, and you said, you know, deep down, this guy is so bad. But let me ask him, J.B., if you were to die, would you go to heaven? Yes, I would. Why? Because I believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I trusted in him and him alone. I know I'm going to heaven. You're not living very good. I know that. By what comes out of my mouth, can you tell? Yes, it's not my lifestyle. It's not anybody's lifestyle. You can't tell from lifestyle. They could be a believer living badly. They could be an unbeliever living goodly. Good, living very well. And badly and goodly. Yeah, it could be any of that. Now, watch what happens. He says, there's no good tree which produces bad fruit. Bad tree which produces good fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. And now watch what he says, verse 45. The good man, he's talking about the Out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. It's coming out. The evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth that which is good. Is it lifestyle? No. Watch. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. His mouth is telling you what's coming out, whether it's good or bad. And if you said to me, J.B., are you going to heaven? And I said, yeah, because I've tried to live a good life and I got baptized and I go to church. Coming out of my mouth tells you there's some bad stuff there. That's not the right answer. But if I said, yes, I have believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior, you could say, well, whether he lives good or not, he's given us the answer that tells us that he has trusted in Jesus Christ. In Matthew, if you take the time to go there, he is dealing with false prophets. And he says they come looking like they're wolves in sheep's clothing. They, they look like Christians. In fact, they even did good things. And when they're called before God, they say, Did we not cast out demons in your name, Lord, Lord? He said, I never knew you. It was not lifestyle because the lifestyle of the false prophets was good. It's their message. 
So in Luke, we see you can tell the good from the bad. How? By what? They say it's powerful. Please don't try to look at somebody's lifestyle and see if they're a Christian. The way you're going to know is you're going to have to ask them. You're going to have to sit down with them and find out what they believe. That's the only way you can know. It takes us to the last section, and we'll go very quickly. last section is the foundation, the rock. The foundation for our lives is Jesus Christ. Look what he says. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? He's, why are you saying you're the deity, you're the master, and don't do what I say? What's he telling them to do? You know what he's telling them to do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. He's the one that said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes. When he's telling them about doing what he says, he's talking about believing in him. Notice what he says in the next verse. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and acts on them. I will show you whom he is like. He's talking about hears and believes. Acts upon the word means I believe Jesus Christ and trust in him as my Savior. That's building the foundation. Notice what he says. He is like a man building a house who dug dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock. The rock is Christ. And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against it, the house, and it could not shake it because it had been well built. It's on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's the rock. But notice this, but the one who had, has heard and has not acted, who has not believed, is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. Who is the foundation? The foundation is Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation than that which is built, than that which is Christ. That's Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians. But the one who has heard and has not acted is like as a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of the house was great. He was saying if you build your house on the rock, Jesus Christ, you're secure. If you're not, you're ruined. It's that simple. As we finish the Sermon on the Mount, he says this. Be careful who you follow because you may fall and you're going to end up being like your teacher and you need to deal with your sin before you're able to deal with other sin. He says messages tell us what people believe. Not lifestyle, but messages. And then build your, your lives on the rock, Jesus Christ. Let me give you application so you can think about it. First one is let's watch ourselves. Let's watch ourselves. A. Follow a teacher who knows God's word and truth. You've got to do that. People who go back and look at it from a historical, literal, grammatical, who put the Bible together. Who t- there are many people out there who are untrained or false teachers. There are pe- you, all you have to do is turn on the television. And you'll see people who are teaching things that are contrary to the scripture. As we study, as we read, as we are taught, we, we must know the word. Blind can't lead the blind. They must know where you can't grow. And the truth is, you're going to be like your teacher. So know what they believe and then know how it fits the Bible. And you go back to the Scripture. And if you're going to learn from people and get books and tapes and things like that, choose your teachers wisely. They have to believe the Scripture and hold to the grace message in the Christian life. B, as we watch ourselves, deal with our own sin before dealing with other people. That's we got to do that. We must deal with our own sin before we're able to help others. It's so easy to see everybody else's mistakes rather than ours. We make them all the time, and they're all big logs sticking out. Number two, we can know about a person by what they say. Lifestyle not going to tell you. You can look at a lifestyle, and you can guess, and you can say, that person doesn't live like a Christian. You can say, that person lives like a Christian, but you can't know what they tell us. So don't get caught up in trying to look at lifestyle. The fruit is the message. Go back to Matthew 7, read the passage. When he start, Go back to the start where it says false prophets. That's the beginning of the section, and he talks about false prophets. 
do that. And then look at Luke and look at it in this context again to make sure you got it. The third thing. Let's build our lives on the rock, Jesus Christ. And when we obey the word, which is trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior, He is the foundation, He is the rock in the floods of life. We are safe and secure when we trust in Him. And we build our lives not alone Him, but the word of God which He has given us. May we build our lives upon the rock. Jesus Christ, as we watch ourselves following biblical teachers, dealing with our sin, and seeking to touch other lives for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths. Lord, we just we, we want our lives to count for you. That's, that's the bottom line. So may we watch ourselves. First of all, Lord, we want to follow teachers who know the Word, who are living, uh, who, are, who are taking the truths from God's Word and teaching those clearly, understanding the Bible. Lord, we know that if they don't know, we can't grow. So help us to choose wise teachers and grow in that way because we know at the end we're going to be like them. We're going to believe the same things they believe. Lord, may we deal with our own sin before we deal with others. Every one of us in this room, Lord, we know we blow it, we mess up, we, we fall short. Sometimes we look at a person and we see that little bitty thing and we got the big log. May we deal with all of these things, Lord. Thank you that it's not lifestyle that we deal with, that it is their message. And may we take the time to know what people believe before we try to make any judgments. Because, Lord, we can't judge on lifestyle. We can only judge by what they tell us. And, Lord, may we build our lives on the rock, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.